started test record. Test so, two? Test two? So it's not really showing volume. I mean, all that, it, yeah. I think, is controlled through here. So we can we would be able to turn down our volume after we're editing Okay. using... Why don't think we put this, this as the intro? Well, just this conversation we just had. Right now? Yeah, just... We, <laughs> oh my goodness we can do that you know what we can do we can I mean I've been playing with it we can do it but to not worry about it okay I just want to make sure I get our Twitter handle right so because I'm going to mention that about 27 times I got it the role players the role players check us out on Twitter become our fifth follower <laughs> we will give you a welcome, ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, boys and girls, and even you SEC Homer fans. I am Arthur Mosley with my good friend, Mr. Daniel Allen. Hello, we, hello. We are the role players uh, back for week two of our show. Uh, thanks for all the positive feedback we got last week. Uh, positive and constructive criticism. Uh, we appreciate all your honesty. Uh, it, last week was a big success, Daniel. Uh, we begged and pleaded for 10 Twitter followers, and I greased my younger brother's palm to get to 11, but I, I do want to give a shout-out to our 10th uh, Twitter follower, Redheaded Jenna, and that's what she'll be known as on the show is Redheaded Red Jenna. Redheaded Jenna right. uh, was number 10, so Redheaded Jenna, you know who you are. And it didn't even take that long. It didn't. To get uh, to 10. You, you think of 10 followers, and you think... That's going to be several months of work, and Mark, it, it really wasn't. We got to 10 rather quickly, <laughs> I thought. You know, I was kind of impressed you know, how that's, quickly that's, we shot up to that. That's like going out for the track team and running the 100 in like 10, the 100 meters in like 10.5 seconds. I mean, no training. The next thing you know, we'll be ready for Usain Bolt. I, I, hey, hey, yeah, absolutely. That was, we, we impressed ourselves with that one. Uh, or Jenna impressed us. Yeah, so, so, so redheaded Jenna, and, and not to dismiss anyone else who followed us, we thank you guys so much, but did want to give a shout out to redheaded Jenna. Uh, there will be a special prize. We may, we might even get you on a call-in segment. So make, we're making no promises here, um, and but uh, we we thank you guys for listening. Also, uh, so now that we breached that that ten uh, follower goal on Twitter, we just want to make sure we pump that up to about. Um, we're going to get a little more aggressive and go for twenty-five this week. So twenty-five thousand. That was my thinking. Twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand. <laughs> 25k just get us that blue check yeah we just want the official check so um look we're not we're not we're we're not too proud to big so um let's hey just to comment on that constructive criticism most of the criticism we received was constructive most of the feedback was was positive and we learned something from it there was one little bit that claimed that we were overly harsh on a, on a couple teams at Tennessee and Georgia Tech, um, that sort of criticism you you could keep to yourself. <laughs> I'm not Look, saying any names, I'll, but I'll see you this week. <laughs> oh, I'll see you Sunday morning, so we know exactly because we thought about. we were we were overly soft on yeah those you know, particular teams. Anytime that you make a comment that you are a champion of life or that your team is too high right now, it makes me think. <laughs> That you're smoking a lot of pot, or that you are a perennial loser. So 
there is much deeper we can go uh, with you, Big Orange Nation. So if 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 this show is not for the faint of heart, uh, I I will be brutally honest, or I believe I will be brutally honest with every team. So if you want your hometown Homer Sports Talk radio station, you can probably like unfollow us right now. Absolutely, hit, hit stop, exit out. If 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 Kirby Smart ever or ever came out and spit out champions of life or a five-star heart or we're just too high of a team right now uh i would be out here bashing him and laughing at him and i think we all would so let's not let's not take our you know it too too personally and get overly sensitive about it but um i might catch me for that it's you know what we got thick skin we've got thick skin we want our listeners to have thick skin we want we want to give you unbiased takes and opinions our our thoughts and comments uh, what basically what you've got is two guys who played sports uh, in high school, and that's about it. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you're looking for me to break down the uh, a lot of pickup games though, yeah, we a did. lot of pickup games. We did. So, so there's that. There's, there's that. We, uh, either one of us still could probably beat Levar Ball in a four point <laughs> shooting contest, just like five eight Ice Cube, as Ice Cube did. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting. Lavar putting up an impressive one for fourteen number, and for anybody that doesn't know, he had a competition against Ice Cube at one of their events in in LA over the weekend, shooting from the four point spot, which is I don't know how far behind the three point. It's a little ways back there. So Ice Cube made fourteen attempts. Ice Cube made two, and uh, Lavar Ball, he of two points per game fame, made yes, one. Yes. So I'm thinking that. Um I was probably a church league all American down in Jacksonville and could have taken LeVar Ball. <sighs> that guy's nuts. Yeah. All right. And, but, um, but that let's we you, always say we're not gonna talk about him or, or to give him any any airtime or devote any. And we all we're five minutes we in, we're always in. talking about LeVar. Yeah, dude. Let's talk about football. Let's talk about football. All right. Last week we talked about the Southeastern Conference and back SEC. The SEC. SEC. Yes, the SEC. And for all you conference homers, this week we're going to talk about the ACC football conference. Jimbo Fisher made some pretty uh, incendiary remarks, if I can use an SAT word. Is that a real word, incendiary? It's a very real word. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I did not make a 1600 on the SAT, and for all you kids who don't know what a 1600 is, that used to be the perfect score when I was uh, in high school. Nonetheless, he made some pretty incendiary remarks about the Atlantic Coast Conference being the best conference in the country right now. Right now. Right now. Uh, here's his stats. The ACC have has won two out of the last four national title games, and have two, two, I believe two out of the last four Heisman Trophy winners in, uh, did Jameis Winston actually win a Heisman Trophy? I believe he did. And, and um, excuse of course, me. Lamar. Lamar did win a Heisman Trophy last year out of Louisville. Does that make, and Daniel, I'm going to ask you this because I know that as we sit here, I, I, I feel like the, the team I pull for represents the ACC and the team you pull for represents the SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel... I feel like the team I pull for represents the University of Georgia more first and foremost. <laughs> but I get, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what From you're a saying. Com- so, so we can because we we hear a lot of this. Our conference is better than your conference, and uh, yeah, it's just not. No, nope, nobody is talking about 
conferences. Who cares? Who Nobody cares about? Nobody cares. That's the thing is, what this is what I've always said when people say, yeah, the SEC needs to win. It helps our, whatever it helps. It helps the conference. It helps us in the future. The voters will, whatever. No, when USC won a national title, no one down here in the southeast said, you know what, the Pac, the Pac-10, back then it was the Pac-10, said the Pac-10's probably the best conference in the country. When Ohio State won, they didn't say, you know, the, the Big Ten really must be the best team in the country. I mean, when you win it seven years straight, sure, but I don't, I've never understood that all it does, from my perspective, is maybe when, when you had the BCS and, and the, the voters were a bigger part of getting into the title game, although my thought has always been if you win, if you do what you're supposed to do, you'll get there. But um, it, it, all, all I see is if, if Alabama goes out and wins another national title or if Auburn wins another national title, all that's going to do is help them. That's going to bring in more money to them. They're going to recruit at a higher level. They're mm-hmm. basically increase a, that that helps them in every way, which just makes it harder for us to get past them on the field. So I, I can't see no. I another thing I always say is nowhere on my diploma does it say Southeastern Conference. Like it's just not it's not something that to me makes any difference at all. Now if there's if there's some one of the many meaningless bowl games, and let's say that. Kentucky is playing against Northwestern, you know, I'd probably pull for Kentucky then, but it's not because I'm wanting to demonstrate that my conference is superior to them in every way. Nobody, there's two, the two main conferences I've noticed where people say that are the SEC, far and away, and the Big Ten. They're they're very arrogant as well about their conference. So, but I I never hear Big 12 people or Pac-12 people or, or many ACC people other than Jimbo pull out that, that, which conference is the toughest stuff? It's kind of like a my dad can beat up your dad. Uh, yeah, and, and Jimbo, it's that's nice to say, and, and great job you're doing at Florida State. Um, but if anybody should be saying that, it should be Dabo. Uh, he's the most recent national title winner as a head coach. And um, so we can talk about this ad nauseum. I think we're beating a dead horse. I really feel if you're a if you're a Florida guy, if you're a Miami guy, if you're a Tennessee guy, if you're a Missouri guy, if you're Ohio State guy, you pull for your team. Um, the conference can well, they can suck it. Actually, the conference can actually suck it, in my opinion. If Miami's not winning a national title, who cares? Who cares? Right? You don't. Yeah, get, if you're they, a Georgia, they don't hand out rings that that say congratulations for being a part of the conference of the national champion. No, that actually, I think that Butch Jones has a petition to <laughs> hand out the the conference representative champion of life national championship ring. I think you can get out of a Cracker Jack box. Butch, you will always be affiliated with them. Yes, be a part of our so. show. So. I'm with you, but yeah, to start off, Jimbo, and I, he's he's said in the past he's kind of complained about ESPN and the SEC and stuff. It's funny that that's where he came from, the SEC, and then I've never really understood. He seems to be a little overly concerned about about the perception of the SEC and how they get talked about and treated, which for a while, when they were in the middle of their little run there uh, with all those national championships, it does get overblown. When they have when on when Sports Center has Trevor Maddich breaking down and analyzing the offices. So they did this. It was Alabama LSU week, and they broke down. They had him 
they had a, a photo of the office of Nick, uh, Nick Saban and the office of Les Miles, and Maddox was breaking down and analyzing the color schemes, the furniture, and the artwork on the walls, telling you what that meant about the coach and his personality and the way he runs his team. And that's when I... that's. <laughs> At that point, there might be a little SEC fatigue when you're yeah. breaking down the... Let's talk about wins and losses. Let's not talk about his... I mean, we can we, we can tell what we can tell about Nick Saban by his press conferences and by the way he carries himself on the yeah. field. And, and ultimately, uh, attitude is a reflection of leadership. And as a, as a head coach, uh, the, 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 the amount of perfection that Nick... Uh, runs his program with is seen in the execution of his teams year yeah. in and year out over a extended period of time. So, uh, and everybody complains about the attention each conference or team gets when they're winning because that's who ESPN and all these people cover is is the winners, the people who are winning and are at the top every year. So it's if it's Ohio State, they're going to be there for the spring games and doing you know all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. If it's USC, they're out there you know following around. So it's not a matter of well, it's that conference. It's about who's the most relevant and who's winning the most at the time, which is like Clemson right now. You see Clemson stuff everywhere because Clemson is at the top of the mountain. Yep, yeah, they are. Let's get into the ACC preview. We can, we can, t- we can. I'm getting conference fatigue already, uh, but we want to want to start in the coastal division, and I'm going to go top to bottom uh, in terms of. And, and Daniel, if you don't mind me taking the lead, since please do, since uh, we know that the ACC is not your favorite conference, and particularly the coastal, I, I, <laughs> Miami, but you know, there's a few other teams in there that some that wear yellow and some that wear light blue that I'm. Yeah. Not huge fans of. Uh, last season, Virginia Tech, uh, winner of the Coastal Division. Uh, this year, we'll start out up at the top. I'm I'm going with the Miami Hurricanes, and I I tell you, this was tough because there's a sleeper who's my next pick that I have that might shock some folks. But Miami, uh, the biggest hole in any in any uh, at any position in the Coastal Conference is at quarterback, where you have three quarterbacks who left, uh, including uh, starting with Miami's Brad Kaya. Miami will have to replace Kaya, their all-time leading passer. Uh, pr- got a pretty good uh, pretty good running back in Mark Walton coming back over 1,100 yards last season. Uh, Amon Richards at wide receiver. Uh, he led the nation, I believe, in receiving yards by a freshman. He's he broke Michael Irvin's record. Yeah, he did. If I'm not mistaken. So, uh, real talent on the uh, some talent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I believe you've got uh, in terms of the uh, offensive line, which is typically of any team. You've got uh, uh, four starters coming back on the offensive line. So, guys that could pave the way for Mark Walton to have another big year. Uh, once again, the biggest problem with, with Miami is at quarterback, the, the question mark, whether it's uh, freshman in Kosey Perry or Malik Rozier coming out uh, who, who will take starting snaps, that's going to be the biggest question mark for Miami, which and, – and Daniel, jump in when you want because I'm about done and, and I'm about to uh, jump on uh, the Miami Hurricanes, a team that I am a ginormous fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been hearing Miami has been back since – Moby Dick was a minnow, okay? So I am I am so tired of every ESPN reporter in Miami, you know, Miami beats Bethune-Cookman in Arkansas State this year, and they jump up to number 10, and then they play Florida State and lay an egg. Any Miami Hurricane fan should be disgusted and have their expectations tempered until 
they do something. Yeah. Hey, bravo, Mark Rick. Thank you. We, we appreciate having you, and thank you for breaking that winless bowl streak last year. That was great. But, you know, I, I, I'm a child of the, of the 80s. I grew up in the 80s, and I, I grew up um, watching, you know, Michael Barrow and, and Jesse Armstead and, and, you know, fast forward to the 90s, Ray Lewis and Vinny Testaverde. And Steve Walsh and these guys and, and every yeah you know so four, it's yeah that's what I haven't seen I'm not a I'm not a Miami fan like you are I've always enjoyed I've always thought that college football was better when Miami was good and I always loved watching those teams man they were stacked that 2002 that season watching Willis McGahee he was one of my favorite college running backs to watch and that that still stands out that that title game is is a crying that's the reason I. Strongly dislike Ohio State because of how Miami got robbed <laughs> in that game, and I've still never seen a replay, by the way, of his of Willis McGahee's knee injury. Uh, uh, you don't want to see that. Oh, that's gross. but um, those are the you. That's that's what it's been for the longest time. You had all of those stars and those loaded teams, but it's it just seems like the talent levels dropped. Like you just don't see the athletes. You don't see Sean Taylor. You don't see the guys that you're used to, and that's that from an outsider's perspective. That's what stands out is they used to. When you walk out, they walk out on the field and you look at them and they just look different and it was intimidating. Absolutely. And they, they lost all that. And it's just kind of become, you've had a guy here or there that's, that's been done something, but it's nothing like what it was. Well, uh, uh, you know, obviously Miami's had their share of, of run-ins with the NCAA and you, you have uh, flattery is a, imitation is the biggest form of flattery and some teams have been able to imitate uh, uh, at least the, the style and and maybe not the swagger of Miami, but the style of play, um, and it's kind of like the, I, I relate to this in Tiger Woods. Like if Tiger Woods came back today in golf, and I know we're jumping around here, um, uh, Jordan Spieth is not intimidated by Tiger Woods because he's not right. the same Tiger Woods he was uh, in in two thousand or, yeah. or two thousand five. It's just a a different guy. Um, That's so a perfect these, analogy. These younger perfect. these these schools, uh, you know, even take a Florida Atlantic. Uh, University of Central Florida, South Florida, uh, these schools aren't as intimidated by Miami, uh-huh. and and Miami hasn't. You know, you, you you put on the jersey and it's like, oh, it's Miami, and and eh, it's not. You know, you don't have Randall Thrill Hill running and scoring and running out of you know the Cotton Bowl Stadium and doing a celebration, <laughs> right? You, you you don't. You just don't have. Um, yeah, that that caliber player and, and guys just aren't afraid of that anymore. There's a lot more guys playing like that, uh, playing with that. Uh, just I guess maybe that dog, and 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 it's not just Miami. I know Florida State had teams like that, and I yeah. I know that the Bear had some teams like that, and and uh, you know USC has had some teams like that. So we're not singling out Miami, but for but it's kind of like Michigan with the Fab Five and what they brought in, absolutely. kind of everybody that that sort of thing. Like it was the first. You know, to come out there and and yeah, it's definitely that's definitely was a was a trademark and it, it's been gone for a while now. It seems like and it's it's tough from from a non Miami fan. I can't imagine what it's like being a being a Miami guy. What it's been like to sit there and watch what was once this great, you know, the pinnacle and and what you've been over the last five or ten years. Yeah, well, last five or ten years, I tell you, the worst loss as a Miami Hurricane fan was watching Virginia come to the Orange Bowl the last game and, and winning 47 to nothing against your Miami <laughs> Hurricanes. So uh, enough about Miami. and I, Well, well not, not enough. But one thing I wanted to mention, and, and 
Uh, people will say, well, Art, you're a Miami homer. Uh, I, I just want to let you know, three of the best linebackers in the country, uh, Michael Pinkney, Zach McLeod, and Shaq Quarterman. Uh, uh, true sophomores. True sophomores all started last season. And these these guys, um, they, they compare these guys – uh, to uh, Jesse Armstead and Michael Barrow, so real high comparison on these on these three guys. Uh, you know, Quarterman maybe the biggest thumper, McLeod the best athlete, and Pinkney kind of the leader. Uh, uh, but just a unit to look out for. Uh, Miami's biggest issue on defense is a secondary without any returning starters. So something to look out for. Now let's let your you're the Miami guys, so okay. you can't you can't sing their praises too much, right? Right. Or you can. But it, people would kind of just, you know. Uh, so I'll point out look, the the the, the def- difference in defense last year, just defense alone, which was which I knew, you know, just from watching them and and following them, I knew that that Rick did improve the defense a lot. But looking at the stats, going from the year before, 106 in tackles for loss to fifth in the country, 115th in yards per rush allowed to 17th. 86 in yards per play to ninth, and 77th in points allowed to 12th. That's impressive, man. It, it, you know, is it is it a is it Mark Rick? Is it Manny Diaz? Is it a combination of hey, we we finally got these guys motivated? What what? I don't know what the answer is, ah. but the numbers don't lie. Yeah, exactly, and that's and from a from a head coach who's an offensive guy to come in and, and do that. That's hey, that's impressive. I mean, we'll see if they can keep it up this year, but. There was definitely some some reason for optimism. So if if things look good in Core Gables, if if Miami is is, is kind of our one A, and I, I, this is where we may deviate here, but my one B, and I say one B, uh, in a in a year when you don't have the returning quarterbacks at the top of the division, the Coastal Division, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and yeah, bleh, the Georgia <laughs> Tech Yellow Jackets. It was I can't even get it out. I was so disgusted it by saying that. It kind of comes up like a yeah. Like a it's like phlegm in my throat when I say George. Yeah. So the North Avenue Trade School, uh, I've got them as my one B. Georgia Tech. This is a one thing that, uh, in, in, call it fluky. I think the the cards fall in Georgia Tech's favor with the offense they run and them having to break in a new quarterback where his decisions are on the read option on that triple option or that, uh, where it's, you know, uh, run first or, or the run sets up the pass and mm-hmm. it's run heavy offense. He's not putting the ball up in the air as much. No. So the offensive line does not have to sit and hold, hold blocks as much. And obviously we've heard the, the complaining about some of the chop blocks uh, uh, by other ACC coaches. And, and then a lot of ACC coaches uh, scheduling a bye week before they play Georgia Tech so they can get used to that offense. Now, the conference has done away uh, with that bye week uh, effective next year but for this season I know that my beloved Hurricanes will have a bye week before they play Georgia Tech and I think that will be a problem for Tech as a, a really athletic team that can stay disciplined mm-hmm. um, will give will give the Jackets fits the good thing for the Jackets uh, outside of quarterback Matthew Jordan coming in uh, into the fall as a starter you've got a couple of running backs in Clinton Lynch and Dedrick Mills uh who give you good options of? Um, they got JJ Green there too, yeah. the, the transfer from Georgia. He's sure, a, who's a shifty little guy. So it's you know yeah you lose you know Justin Thomas and but Tech I, I feel like they're in a position 
to 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 make some noise. You got you know North Carolina coming to Atlanta, uh, Virginia Tech coming to Atlanta. Obviously, with Clemson having to go to Clemson, that that's in Miami. Those are two big stumbling blocks. But we're talking about they a played Clemson well over the years. They have. So we're talking about a team that uh, in a in a conference or divi- excuse me in a division where you probably have the latitude to lose two games. Georgia Tech can find itself right in the mix come November. Yeah, I would I would agree with you as much as I don't don't really want to. They're sneaky, man. They're sneaky. And like you said, they're their quarterback, you got to make the right read, but they're even when they do throw the ball, typically it's it's a fly and he's throwing up 50-50 balls and they bring back sure. I think their top two receivers. And uh and you know that they're always going to score points and where they you know, time control and and turnovers on defense, that's that's their bread and butter. So yeah, you look at these other teams and, and who they lost. Trubisky's gone, Evans is gone, Peterman's gone, and you wonder if, you know, even just keeping up with them scoring. I'm, I I could see that. I could see that as much as I despise that team on the Plains. I, I could see uh, I could see them sneaking in second place. As long as it's not first, I'm, I'm all right with that. So there you, there you have it. Uh, that's our... I said the Plains. I meant the Flats. The Flats. On the Flats uh, down on North Ab- the North Avenue Trade School. So mm-hmm. we've got the Bugs coming in at 1B uh, next to Miami. Uh, the team, as a, as a Hurricane fan, that I hate to play, uh, coming in number three, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, and probably one of the most surprising moves is Jared Evans uh, leaving early uh, to test the NFL waters at quarterback leaving coach uh, Justin Fuentes uh, kind of scratching his head and looking for a new starter to start the 2017 season. Um, a lot of people scratching their head. I think he left a lot of people scratching their, their head going pro early. Yeah, he's got um, – so – Josh Jackson – Josh Jackson – and he was drafted. I can't remember what round Evans, Evans was drafting him, but it was kind of like Kaya. It was like, why do these guys, yeah, you're not a first yeah. rounder, why are you leaving early? Hey, uh, so, you're done playing school, in the right. words of Cordell Jones. <laughs> you're done playing school. So we got uh, Josh Jackson, at quarterback, obviously, uh, excuse me, not obviously, but also A.J. Bush, uh, a Nebraska transfer uh, out of right here in Alpharetta, Georgia, uh, at quarterback in a quarterback battle. Um, the the key to Virginia Tech to me uh, this season, I believe their success will hinge on the on Bud Foster's defense and can he put that offense continue to put that offense in positions to be successful. Only five starters returning on offense for Virginia Tech, uh, led by their leading wide receiver Camp Phillips. Um, you know at the skill position. Trayvon McMillan, uh, the other skill position, excuse me, at running back, Trayvon McMillan's back, but his numbers kind of went backwards last season. So, they the, seem like they've been the, the same team for the last six, six, seven, eight years. Like solid defense, solid mm-hmm. special time, mm-hmm. teams. Can't offensively just inconsistent and can't really get over the hump. Man, you're talking about Miami and Virginia Tech. You were saying as, as a Miami fan, the team you don't like. For those two teams at the Big East, Every year we're battling it for the for the title over sure, there, sure. and then they come into the ACC, and neither one of them's really, really done much of anything. Right. It, it's and and last year's ACC Coastal Champion was kind of like who wants it? You know, it's a hot potato. Nobody wants it, and Virginia Tech ends up 
one of the tiebreakers. So congratulations to Virginia Tech. Um, they get Clemson at home and in and, and Lane Stadium, and, and my brother has had the opportunity to coach in Lane Stadium. He said by far one of the loudest places he's ever been. So there is a home field advantage of Lane Stadium. One of the best intros in all of football, too. Uh, inter inter Sandman, yes, yes. Um, they go down to Miami on November 4th, and they come to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. So maybe a, 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 a tough stretch in early November, but really – a manageable schedule for Virginia Tech if they can get that quarterback situation figured out. And look, once again, here is a conference where uh, a division where two or three losses put you in a position to go play for the conference title mm -hmm. year in and year out. Yeah. You know that their schedule is going to be easier for the simple fact that they don't have another battle at Bristol against oh. the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> You know that alone is going to make them all sleep a lot better at nights this year. Yes. I having to sweat that and then relive the horrors of that going up against a team like that. The, the mighty Tennessee Volunteers who, you know, let's let's take a look. Tennessee did beat uh, Virginia Tech in the in the Battle of Bristol. Yeah, they got a trophy for got it. Got a trophy for it. A lot it. of confetti a, came down. Yeah, champion of Life trophy for Tennessee, so uh, yeah. good job. Next, moving on uh, in the ACC – uh, Coastal Division, I've got the North Carolina Tar Heels, who, again, similar to Miami and Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, are breaking in a new quarterback, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, off uh, to the NFL. New defensive coordinator, too, who I, I didn't realize that they had their secondary, their defense, entire defense last year, racked up a, a single one interception. And that was uh, that's, that's hard one, to that's do. That's one more interception than you or I had. Yeah, that's hard to do. That's that's, and then Gene, Gene Chizik takes that and rides off into the retirement. So, well, it's North Carolina at, at at quarterback. You know, like we said, you've got Nathan Elliott and Chaz Surratt and and Logan Bird kind of in a mix coming out of the spring to to see who's going to handle the starter. At who's going to be the starter at quarterback, excuse me. Uh, and I would be remiss if I did not mention Brandon Harris, the LSU transfer, who in an article earlier this season with CBSSports.com's Chip Patterson mentioned that he planned on passing for over 3,500 yards and 30-plus TDs, possibly eight rushing. Those are quotes from Mr. Harris himself. Uh, this is an LSU quarterback who amassed – uh, over three seasons, 2,756 passing yards, 20 TDs, and 10 picks. So, uh, comments, Mr. Allen? Didn't think so. Um, and there you have it. Wide receiver, the only returning starter is Austin Prohl. And for you uh, old heads, as they say, that is Ricky Prohl's son. Uh, Ricky Prohl, a former, former receiver for the Cardinals uh, back in my youth, uh, so not a lot coming back on offense for the Tar Heels. Uh, it's harder to it's harder to recruit. They found up there when you can't offer you know free classes degrees for for not not doing anything at all. Oh, you can't. You know, not not a, the NCAA's frowned on that the last couple of years and cracked down a little bit. And and shockingly, the it's coincided with a bit of a talent drop. At UNC. Funny. So, so, so you're telling me that even if I wanted to major in underwater basket weaving, it's so played out. Let's think of new table making. 
table with thinking. with Legos. Even if I wanted to major in that, I don't know if NCAA has found that has you might be able to sneak that one in up there because they don't look at UNC too hard unless they absolutely have to. But yeah, it's it's a little bit harder, rockier <laughs> road up there than it has been for those student athletes uh, for the Tar Heels. Well, just wanted to get that in there. Daniel is a huge UNC fan. If anybody hasn't noticed, North Carolina uh, kind of a difficult schedule. They've got Louisville, they've got Notre Dame, they're at Virginia Tech. Miami does come to Chapel Hill, and then obviously the rivalry game on November twenty fifth at NC State. North Carolina coming in at number four. Sounds about right. Next, probably uh, fifth team, my fifth team, uh, is the Pitt Panthers. Uh, it it kind of goes downhill from here. Pitt graduating <laughs> Nathan Peterman uh, from a uh, quarterback from my hometown uh, down in Jacksonville. Set some records, but but when maybe one of the biggest losses for uh, Pitt was Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, bolting for LSU. Uh, Pitt racked up some big numbers last season, but the problem was they could not stop anyone. Um, so, do they get any better uh, this season uh, defensively? Are we as worried about uh, Pitt? Is anybody worried about Pitt? Uh, they're fortunately for Pitt, Max Brown, the highly touted quarterback, yeah, former five star there, five, yeah, um, out of uh, transfer from USC, mm -hmm. uh, looks to take over the helmet quarterback for Pitt. So maybe a little plug and play uh, for Pitt with Peterman leaving and having an experienced quarterback coming to the ACC, yeah. uh, a guy who can really probably sling it around a good bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so so good for good for Pitt. Uh, However, they also lose James Conner and his 3,733 career rushing yards. So that's a little bit of a uh, little bit of offense to replace back there in the pit backfield. Not quite sure um, with only six returning starters on offense um, how effective they will be. Uh, and really, the bigger problem is uh, can that defense be any worse? Uh, they've got four returning starters. Um, not quite sure that 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 Pitt will have what it takes to compete in the ACC. Let's just look, take a look at their schedule. Um, games that uh, a decent pre-conference schedule where they go to Brutal. Penn State and then play Oklahoma State at mm -hmm. home. You know, back to back, they do get the Youngstown State Penguins <laughs> to open up the season. Um, and, and then, you know, we've got uh, – they have to come to Atlanta to play Tech. Um, and then maybe a little bit of a, a light schedule. We've got Syracuse, you know, the Wolfpack, North Carolina State, Duke and Virginia before you close out with North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Miami. So if Pitt can figure it out, if Max Brown can figure it out on offense, this is a team that I would not call them a dark, dark horse because I don't expect them to beat Virginia Tech or Miami. But this is a team that could, to, could come into this game riding a – Four, five, six game win streak. I say that with as straight of a face sorry, as sorry. I can say. I'm not laughing about that. I'm laughing about something off. Who, who, who decides to pick a penguin for their mascot? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be one of the least intimidating. <laughs> uh, Young Sound State penguins. That's, sorry, I was laughing throughout we, all your analysis there, but everybody else heard it. <laughs> 
we can break down the least intimidating mascots. And I can, <laughs> I can think of three right off the top of my head. Uh, the Youngstown State Penguin, the Campbell Camels, and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And I will catch hell for that because my wife is a graduate of Western Kentucky. Well, the mascot itself, in particular, is a little intimidating. It's a, a, a giant red ball. Giant, right? giant. It's like like, grim, it's like Grimace. Yeah. Grimace yeah. from McDonald's in, yeah. in red. Um, kids under the age of 18 probably don't even know who Grimace is. Well, they're probably not our audience. Okay. Let's move along. Is that, is that, let's, uh, I, Coastal just kind of, yeah, sorry, it, 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 I it lose does, concentration. It does go down here. Talk, and this is not basketball. The number 17 mm-hmm. we're looking at here is Duke Blue Devils and Miracle Worker quarterback whisperer David Cutcliffe at quarterback. He does have a returning starter in Daniel Jones. Uh, the question is, will he be able to stay healthy this season? Will he have enough weapons around him? Duke. We won't get into in-depth analysis. They do get Miami coming into Durham. Uh, they do get Florida State coming into Durham. They do get Georgia Tech coming into Durham. So some home games for Duke. Unfortunately, I just don't believe there are enough offensive weapons surrounding their quarterback, Daniel Jones. Uh, they do get T.J. Roming back, uh, one of their top wide receivers. And uh, Sean Wilson at running back comes back for his senior season. A uh, lot of holes, though, in the defense. Only five starters returning. Could be a long year in Durham. And how much longer will, does Cutcliffe want to be around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they this this not related to how they'll do this season necessarily, but you being Mr. Georgia High School football, a lot of Georgia guys on that team, on Duke. Yeah, uh, Duke does well. And, and, and I tell you, any a, a lot of – Teams, high-profile teams, do well coming in and getting Georgia guys. But a lot, I think a lot of times, what you get is a kid who wants to play college football right away. And Cutcliffe has proven himself uh, in his years uh, past in the SEC, especially at Tennessee, as a proven winner, proven leader. Um, this is a guy who can coach college football. What, you know, do I want to go to? Clemson and sit for three years and play uh, or sit for two and a half years or can I go to Duke and play right away mm-hmm. and and you know the, the academic rigors at Duke probably a little bit tougher than the academic rigors at Clemson than the rigors at the University uh, of Alabama <laughs> than the rigors at the University of Auburn but uh, has some success and, and Duke has look they've, they've had some some good years but let's let's remember what Duke is <laughs> They're a basketball. School. I, they don't. They don't. Football is icing on the cake for them. You know. I mean, when you're Duke in basketball, a good football team every once every seven or eight years. That's all. That's yes. all you really need. I mean. I mean, that's just yeah. football is just something. It's to not do. priority one. It's just something to do until until um, basketball starts. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. I'll say as a Georgia fan, they're 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 more relevant in football than Georgia is in basketball. So. Hey, they got that going for them. There you go. And finally, my bottom feeder uh, in the ACC Coastal or the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, just not a lot of things going right uh, for Bronco Mendenhall last season. They do get uh, starting quarterback Kurt Benkert. Uh, he uh, came in last season. He's got a full year. They, they expect him to be healthy this year. So it will be interesting to see what he can do full-time as a starter. Not a very – 
difficult preseason schedule for the Cavaliers, so maybe they will have an opportunity to get some wins under their belt. They do travel to Boise State September 22nd. Uh, then you've got uh, North Carolina. The Virginia Cavaliers going to North Carolina. They travel to Pitt. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just marking off some quote-unquote notable games here. Georgia Tech uh, does go to Charlottesville. Uh, Virginia travels to Louisville, Miami, and Virginia Tech. So kind of a, a, a the last four games could make or break the Cavaliers. Maybe they get an upset with Tech, Louisville, or Miami, or Virginia Tech. I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Uh, the good news for Virginia, they do return uh, eight players on defense. They never really overcame the loss of, of Grayson Lambert, you know, as a program. <laughs> it, was hard. it was hard for them to overcome. So they're still fighting back from that holy left of him. Grayson Lambert. The man that, that, that retired, Steve Spurrier, by the way. So... That is your ACC Coastal Conference. We'll recap. So that rounds out the top so that, seven. That rounds out our top uh, teams. Let's recap the Miami Hurricanes. We have at number one, Georgia Tech at number two, Virginia Tech Hokies at number three, coming in at number four, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the Pitt Panthers, Virginia Cavaliers, and Duke Blue Devils rounding out the top seven, or the seven, because there is no top seven. And perhaps the premier division. In all of college football, next to the SEC East. Oh my gosh! Yes. So let's let's Get talk the big about brother there. Let's, the big brother and and the big bad bully here, uh, no doubt. Florida State Seminoles. The biggest question mark uh, for Florida State is can they keep DeAndre Francois off his backside? Thirty-four sacks last season that the offensive line gave up. Uh, growing up in the state of Florida, being around Florida State fans year in and year out, the constant I have heard was, once we get a good offensive line, once we get a good offensive line, once we get a good offensive line, once we get a good offensive line. Um, Florida State, uh, you know, and, and, and from my friends I've heard, they, they tell me, well, well, last year we had a bad offensive line. Well, here's, here's the bad news, Florida State. you got two returning starters on your offensive line. Mm-hmm. So if you think it's going to get that much better, we got to temper that expectation. Mm-hmm. The good news is that DeAndre Francois uh, is a mobile guy. And, and so, you know, had he, had he been uh, a, a quarterback who wasn't a threat to run, there may have ended up with several more sacks, and, and he may have been on his, you know, at, you know out of the game. Um, and he didn't, and it's not like he rushed for a ton of yardage, like you said, but it, it, was, it was avoiding who knows how many more sacks it would have been um, if he wasn't elusive back there. But, but, and despite getting knocked around so much and sacked on, they, what they say, uh, 14% sack rate on passing downs, that's, uh, he, he still th- throws for over 3,000 yards mm-hmm. and 20 touchdowns mm-hmm. as a registered freshman, so uh, still impressive mm-hmm. for a guy that was running for his life a lot of the time. Very, very talented player on offense. Uh, obviously, Florida State losing Dalvin Cook at running back, man, that's a tough loss. Yeah, really a game changer. The, the beautiful mm-hmm. news is, is it, and everything I've heard in the offseason was about Cam Akers, but coming out of camp, it's been Jock Patrick who has been running with the first team. And whether it's Akers or Patrick, you've got two guys who continue in a tradition, a long, long tradition of great running backs at Florida State University. So probably not a ton of drop-off in terms of talent. The drop-off comes in experience. Experience, yeah. The, the uh, 
Akers is the guy. He was, you know, a, a five star. I thought he was probably the best running back. Nyquan Murray, last year. Mm-hmm. and but he's a guy that played quarterback for for most of the time. Never, what didn't really play at running back a whole lot. Now, as a runner, he is he is nasty. Um, we'll see if he can step in. But man, Dalvin, nah, those are some big shoes to fill fill yeah. because that guy was explosive and and added an element that that very few teams have. But I'm with you. I think. I think they'll get enough production to be to be fine in the running game. Tell you what, they they no starting wide wideouts coming back for Florida State, but a couple of names I want uh, our listeners to be on alert, alert for uh, at at one, and then Auden Tate, Auden Tate, six five two twenty five as a wide receiver, got to be a matchup problem. You think that Jimbo uh, in in his staff would take a look at t- uh, getting that mismatch? Uh, like they did with Calvin Benjamin exploit that mismatch Um, you know it's one of the things we've seen as these wide receivers get taller and taller you got to start recruiting defensive backs that are a little bit taller you can't get the 5'9 you know that 5'9 on a 6'5 guy is just a mismatch Uh, so uh, maybe an aerial assault coming this season from the Florida State Seminoles speaking of big defensive backs Florida State they're secondary. They, they and that whole defense is it just seems to be loaded. But but they, you get Derwin James coming back, mm-hmm. which everybody Health, knows how yes. good he is. Yep. Tavares McFadden is 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 a cornerback. I think he's about six three, six two, six three, somewhere in that range. He's a, he's a big old boy out mm-hmm. there, cornerback. And then you've got Josh Sweat there on the line. Uh, Brian Burns, who was a true freshman last year mm-hmm. and, and had a heck of an impact. That D's looking good. That D's got some. It, some talent out there to uh, to to take a little bit of that burden off of Francois and the and the offense. Yeah. So I, you get Florida State stepping up and 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 Alabama playing up, stepping up. These two titans in the southeast playing in Atlanta, very first game. A Florida State team that is in need of some cohesiveness on the offensive line, mm-hmm. an Alabama team who's probably searching for some answers on their defensive front, uh, a good opportunity for the ACC and Jimbo Fisher to put his money where his mouth is yeah. in week one. That's bold to come out there and say that when you're coming out against against Nick Saban and, <laughs> and the Tide in week one, and and historically when. When when they when Alabama opens the season with these games, historically they don't go well for the other team. I mean, and half the time it's just a blowout, you know, and they just come out and flatten them. So it's hopefully it's competitive, and it, we'll see that Alabama did lose a lot on D, but as you know, there's there's plenty of guys just waiting, <laughs> chomping at the bit to step right in, and they never seem to have much of a drop off at all on defense as long as he's been there. So it, and. Truthfully, whether or not Florida State wins this game against Alabama, saving a, a, a blowout, you come back and you take care of business against Miami, uh, you take care of business against Louisville and a little revenge game possibly on the 21st, and then have to travel to Death Valley and play Clemson. You take care of those teams, you could very well find yourself right back in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So Florida State are overall, uh, I believe, consensus role players uh, pick to win – the ACC conference. Yeah. Uh, moving along to last year's national champion, the Clemson Tigers, 
They've got to replace a little bit of uh, offense. And Deshaun Watson and Wayne Gallman, two Georgia boys. We talked about mm-hmm. Georgia Georgia boys. Two Georgia boys uh, going over to Clemson, and, and, and Dabo's done it again. If we're talking about Georgia boys, it got to pick up another uh, big-time recruit in Trevor Lawrence out of Cartersville, Georgia, who will start, who is starting his senior season tomorrow, uh, Friday the 18th, uh, for the Cartersville Purple Hurricanes. But – um, they've got a lot to replace. Yeah, it, Mike Williams yeah. too. That that that's a dude that that as much as Watson, that he carried them and uh, against Bam and their late. I mean, he was unstoppable. And then I don't know Deion Kane's great, and they've got T Higgins is a true freshman coming in. That's a mm-hmm. big old guy, and and they've got plenty of talent. And a receiver, they haven't really seen like they've had any issue replacing these guys over the years. You know, Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins, uh, Martavis Bryant. It, you, they just kind of plug and play. Yeah. This is what, what Clemson does. Right. So they've got – Dabo's got something working there at receiver. Uh, you know, something we don't mention often, the big ugly up front. We talked about Georgia boys. Mitch Hyatt, who is a junior out of North Gwinnett High School, um, also a uh, in line to have an All-American season on that line. They only replaced their center um, on that line. So it, whoever steps in – at quarterback, and right now it's looking like Kelly Bryant for the Clemson Tigers uh, should have an opportunity uh, to have some time to make decisions and get the ball to Deion Kane or Ray McLeod or even uh, last year's kind of MVP, the title game, Hunter Renfro. One of the players I believe that Clemson will miss the most defensively, and I know they've got Dexter Lawrence coming back after a monster freshman season but Ben Bulware out of that middle for Clemson he was not, the heart and soul wasn't he not necessarily uh you know not your 6'3 225 um uh, thumper but just a guy who like you said heart and soul that defense he was yeah. a you know you you missed that leadership and you have to wonder who can who will step up in that middle uh, will it be a guy like Dexter Lawrence does he have the team's attention will it be a guy like Kendall Joseph at linebacker um Christian Wilkins. Sure, Christian Wilkins. Who 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 will it be? Hey, that that is a nasty. That's a nasty defensive line that they have there that they've assembled and and that to me that I mean that last year I thought that they were just as good as Bama's defensive line in that in that title game and even the year before they were they banged up they were impressive so they've got a lot man it just comes down to to quarterback to me for them um, you know who's gonna that's just a lot to replace and. What I've wondered is whether it's – I think Davos, what he's built is amazing there. and But but we we just waiting to see if it's – how much of it was Deshaun Watson and how much of it – how he can – if he can sustain it and do it without him. You know, he's got plenty of talented guys. you got five-star. Hunter Johnson was a five-star. you got uh, Trevor Lawrence coming up in next year, who's the number two-ranked quarterback in the country. And so you'll have talent there, but Watson – you know that's that's a special kind of guy that comes around every once in a while. You know, yep. so we'll see if that's sort of a a thing like like a Cam Newton or a Tebow, or we'll see if Dabo can keep it going and on what he built, and that's just the beginning, and they can just keep it rolling, kind of like kind of like Alabama's in the SEC. We'll see. Absolutely, and another big ACC SEC matchup for you conference for the conference guy, uh, Auburn traveling to Clemson in Death Valley on September 9th. So should be a, it's a gonna be interesting. much improved Auburn team going to play the defending national champions. It'll be yeah, a good, yeah good. that is going to be a very interesting game. That's 
a lot of eyes will be on that, and there will probably be a lot of conference crowing afterwards, regardless of who wins. <laughs> Number three, the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville, as I was told it was pronounced, Louisville. Louisville, uh, Louisville like you got to what, whatever. Lamar Jackson, here's a story right here, returning. He's a leading returning passer and leading returning rusher in the Atlantic Coast Conference. He is the defending Heisman Trophy – or the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, excuse me. Doesn't have a whole lot of returning weapons around him. Uh, Two offensive linemen returning. Man, oh, man, is he ever going to have to use his feet? And in last season with Lamar, it, it was really a tale of two Lamars. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the first half of the season when he looked invincible, like he was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, Bo Jackson in Super Tecmo Bowl, and then it was the second half when he looked like, you know, Jack Sigma playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. So, trying getting to- sacked forty-seven times will, pr- will wear you down, I imagine. You yeah, know, yeah, forty-seven sacks. That you know, he was running for his life, and there's only so much, only so long that you can take that beating and just keep coming <laughs> out there, and you know, and keep going. He's uh. He had to do it all himself, and it's a shame. We'll see if it's any difference. If any different this year, doesn't? I'm not optimistic. Look, you lose linebackers like Keith Kelsey and the safety you're familiar with, Josh Harvey Clemens, who transferred, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out of Valdosta, from, you know, played at Georgia, and transferred to Second Chance U at Louisville, and uh, your defensive coordinator, right? You know, Grantham goes to Mississippi State, and and uh, not that Todd Grantham was the greatest. It was the greatest defensive coordinator, you know, a top ten coordinator in the country. But your your guys are learning a whole new system, and a lot of Charlie Strong's guys are gone now. Uh, also, he, you know, Charlie Strong can put together defense defense and develop guys, and, and a lot of his guys are gone now. So it's going to be on. It's going to be on uh, Mike Summers, for Mike Summers, Florida, Florida guy that's taking over the defense now, and we'll see if he can he can improve over. Um, over what Grantham did there, but and offensively, another thing they did last year way too often was fumble, turn the ball over, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of that's on Lamar. So, truthfully, I think it'll be another year of of, of a lot of exciting Lamar Jackson running around doing uh, making amazing plays, but but not enough wins to really make any noise or, or get past the two big boys in there. Sure, and it's it's tough, you know. Louisville, if Louisville's in the Coastal Division, then we 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 almost had them as, yeah. you know, they would play Georgia Tech different. or Miami. It's yeah. a different story. Uh, it, it, once again, we, we do look for some spectacular plays from Lamar Jackson. Uh, but having Clemson coming in the 16th early in the season and having to go to Florida State, I, I got to believe that the Seminoles have, uh, have a little surprise for the Louisville Cardinals. On to the Wolfpack. On to the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. A team that I grew up that I, we I grew up in Raleigh. So, so the NC State Wolfpack was my first love. And uh, fortunately for my for my hopes and dreams during the sports season, I've moved on, went to Georgia, and, and adopted them. My older brother Will is is still a Wolfpack uh, <laughs> fan, and and it's not an easy, it hasn't been an easy life for them for him over the years. Um, the last year, I know they 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 return a lot, and and they had they had a good end to the year. We'll see we'll see if they can keep that going. They open with with the mighty South Carolina Gamecocks. I think this is kind of Dave Doran's, you know, this is the year, you know, make or break year for him. Well, look, Ryan Friendly comes back um, last year was well, over 3,000 yard passing as uh, as he transferred from Boise State to lead the North Carolina Wolfpack. Make or break year, uh, looking down at their schedule, 
Um, and and I, I hate talking wins or losses, but I just want to highlight, you know, you go to Florida State, you go to South Bend and play Notre Dame, and then Clemson comes in uh, to Raleigh to play the Wolfpack. Um, certainly some winnable games, uh, certainly an opportunity to get back to a bowl game for North Carolina State. And but, they were close last year against Florida State and Clemson. Very close. Of course, close doesn't get you anything. Right. But oh, it's going to be tough. And and look, it, it also helps when you have a do-everything every, do player like Jalen Samuel coming back. So uh, I look for a lot of Finley to Samuel. Uh, if, if they can get Finley uh, time, uh, big year for Jalen Samuel. But Wolfpack, we're looking at a mid-tier bowl, mid, lower to mid-tier bowl, uh, bowl season for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh Next, and I feel like these these can be uh, 5A, B, or C. I've got the Syracuse Orangemen. Uh, they've got uh, Eric Dungy coming back at quarterback. Dino Babers in his second year. Uh, Syracuse returning nine players on offense and ten on defense, uh, uh, but a pretty putrid, putrid defense, excuse me, last season. If you recall from last week's show, I did pick Syracuse to upset LSU on September 23rd. Mm-hmm. I was not drunk. I was not. Not uh, on crack. Uh, not, one not, of our Twitter followers yeah, suggested we, that you were. No, but we, we do not endorse any kind of drugs on the role players. Right. We no. can confirm there has no crack smoke before. We're during the show, so afterwards we I, no nothing, but but nothing that influenced your that pick. I I can say <laughs> still doesn't make much more sense too much sense to me, and it's one of the bolder picks I've seen. But hey, it, it could happen if this happens. This will give validity validity to Jimbo Fisher's statement that the ACC is a better conference than the SEC. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that would be the one that seals it. Not Bam FSU. It would it would be Syracuse and LSU. Yeah, that would be your your telltale. It would give validity to you as a sort of a prophet and and give a little more weight to your upset picks of the week. I'll, I'll tell you that because if you pick LSU over or Syracuse over LSU and that happens, my man. Uh, you should be spending money in Vegas because that that would be one of the more impressive upset picks I'd seen. Time will tell. A uh, couple of losses for for Syracuse are breaking in a couple new wide receivers. So uh, you do get uh, Steve Ishmael back at wide receiver. Um, but once again, Syracuse really on the bottom edge of this, and we're talking about uh, the the bottom three teams that we feel in the in the Atlantic. You can kind of cut them one, um, uh, put them in a hat, and draw a number. Uh, Syracuse Orange coming in at number five. And and I'll 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 put this out there. Did, uh, I'm. I don't make any claims that I am a guru that knows every team in every conference, top to bottom, up and down. Like, like this is these bottom three teams. Whatever you're, you could be saying anything about them, and I'd just kind of be nodding and saying, "Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's going to be a tough game." Or yeah, yeah, because I, I honestly, I could not. I don't follow Wake Forest football. So um, to everyone out there, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to pretend like I know their depth charts or, or that I that I have any real good grasp on what the Boston College Eagles are going to do this year. So I'm kind of seeding to Art during this, and he's uh, he's running with it, well, carrying us here, running and, and maybe blindly as I am not. If you can tell, I'm not a guru either, but I love uh, love football. So this is. <laughs> And I love talking trash. So, Wake Forest, uh, unfortunately, Rusty LaRue is all out of eligibility. 
Um, and that is an inside joke or, or an outside joke, if you all know. Rusty LaRue at one point, leading passer in Wake Forest history, also played uh, basketball on for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in the 90s. Wake Forest does return um, Kendall Hinton at quarterback, but this is a team that we don't expect. At best, we're looking for a 500 record um, they get they're able to get fat on Presbyterian and possibly App uh, App State and Utah State, but let's not count our chickens before they hatch. Wake Forest in a conference where they will have to play Louisville, Notre Dame, at Tech, at Clemson, and Florida State <sighs> doesn't look pretty for the Demon Dinkins. And last but not least, uh, Fluties, the the Boston College Doug Fluties. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Um, poor Steve Adazio. Uh, just not feeling the love for Boston College this season. Uh, they do lose. They, they, here's, here again, another team that has a break in the starting quarterback because they lose Pat Tolles, uh, who's a, who leaves the program as a senior. Uh, right now they've got a possibly Darius Wade or freshman Anthony Brown coming in at quarterback. Not easy to do a breaking a freshman quarterback in the ACC or any yeah. Yeah. Uh, Power Five conference. Um, you know, Boston College, once again, with a schedule like Wake Forest, uh, teams like Virginia Tech, Louisville, Florida State, Clemson, um, just – and Virginia Tech, excuse me, just – Not going to do it. Yeah, if they get to 500, it'll be a shock. So there you have it. Uh, from top to bottom, we, we went with Florida State – at number one, Clemson at number two, Louisville at number three, NC State at number four, Syracuse at number five, Wake six, Boston College seven, and you can throw those last three in any order. So do you give um, – you're the Miami guy. Do you do you give – assuming that Miami wins the Coastal, do you give them any shot at, at winning the ACC outright? At, at, they have a shot if they're in the game. Um, from, a, from a talent level – if they can develop, if that quarterback back play can develop rapidly, uh, yes, I give them a shot. I don't think that the Hurricanes are as talented at the quarterback position. Uh, what Mark Walton's a great running back, but I think that Florida State is deeper at the wide receiver position. And the glaring weakness uh, for the Miami Hurricanes, if they were to face Florida State again, is that secondary, which does not return any starters uh, from the team last mm-hmm. season. So I think the front seven for Miami, as impressive as they are, if if they can get enough pressure and allow that defensive backfield to gel, uh, then Miami's got a puncher's chance. But I don't I, – I think Florida State comes in that game favored by, by seven and a half points. Gotcha. Now, you know, we, we just – the more important – We news. just spent a, about uh, a good 40, 50 minutes talking about the ACC – so once again, we'll table the uh, football talk. But that we, that was something that is important to a region, a specific region, and, and sort of has the you know an audience in a certain part of the United States. This next topic, it has a much broader scope, national or or, or global. In, in light of story. recent in light of recent world events, I think so. We're gonna Absolutely. go. We're gonna go with our wild card. Yeah, and the, we. We will never talk politics, or I will never. I don't know if you will. You might go off on a political round at some point. The This is not politics, though. This is just admiring greatness in sports. <laughs> and it just so happens to come from a, 
from a guy who was a fairly polarizing political <laughs> figure over the last however many years. And I'll let you take it from there. So an interesting stat came up this week. We were talking about the PGA Tour uh, championship that was played last last weekend. Yeah. And um, we talked about some of the great golfers in the world. We talked about... Uh, the great performances, some sure. of the lowest rounds. Right. Ar- Arnold Palmer, uh, Sam Snead, uh, Tiger Woods, um, Mickelson my favorite golfer, Payne Stewart. We neglected Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. But, well, some people might not know him as Kim Jong-il. Some some people, some of our listeners, listeners may know him as Dear Leader. Dear. As many as many of his, of his people knew him yes, as. Yes, Dear Leader. Dear Leader was a much more affectionate term. So to those of you that didn't catch the first part, we're referring to the low round... <laughs> Possibly the lowest recorded round of golf of all t- of all time, but that's not even the most impressive part. Not the fact that he shot a thirty-eight under thirty-four. Now this is not a best ball. This is not captain's choice. This right. is the dear leader Kim Jong Il shot a thirty-four, thirty-eight under par. That would be impressive for for just. <laughs> Just about anyone on the PGA Tour. A 59 is impressive. But to be 25 strokes better. And that the most important part about this story is that was the dear leader's first round he ever played. His first, his first time picking up the sticks. He goes out, does not shoot... Does not shoot a bogey and makes five holes in one. Also, let me point out, five holes in one in his first ever round, a 34, five aces. The dear leader with the, <laughs> with the performance that will never be matched, unfortunately will never get to relive it because it does not appear that any media was there to document <laughs> or film, rather. I think a lot of media was there to document it and, and print it. But it, it, from what we've found so far... Uh, we haven't seen on YouTube any any recordings of the round itself as Mister as the, the dear leader went yes. through shooting his thirty four. They say it was a full size course too. Now not putt putt not putt putt no no it was no. Full. I believe he I believe his high score in putt putt. They said I think he got through eighteen holes in seven strokes. So so that was equally impressive, but. We just wanted to bring that out. I don't know the last major of the year. A lot of the golf fans, the FedEx uh, Cup, the the playoffs are starting, and then you'll have the President's Cup. So there's not a whole lot, or the Riders' Cup, rather. There's not a whole lot to um, to focus on right now for the golf fans like myself. So we thought we would, as one last tribute, as, as the last major of the year, we would bring up a stat so that people can go research it too. It's all, it's 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 it happened. There were witnesses, many many witnesses that were all employed by the dear leader. Yes, under threatening yeah you know, of life, life and limb. Right. Yes, yes. So we just yeah that that's a story that and and this story apparently has been out for a year at least. Yeah, I, I cannot believe ESPN did not cover this story. No, they've they've covered so many other important important achievements and and important storylines 
that for them to to fail to pick up on this story out of North Korea, it just kind of makes you wonder who was asleep at the wheel there. In all seriousness, we are glad that his son, <sighs> Kim Jong-un, had not decided to fire any missiles at U.S. territories. Um, maybe he can pick up golf like his dad and try to break that record it's of It's a stress 34. reliever for a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people get angry and throw a cluster that might... Maybe we shouldn't urge him in that in that direction if if he's prone to temper tantrums and it has an itchy trigger finger. Maybe we shouldn't recommend golf. But given his family's history and and the genes in the sport, um, it seems like he would do quite well if he decided to maybe have less demonstrations of of, of missiles and uh, and more less feeding uncles to dogs and more rounds of golf. Absolutely. That's going to do it for us this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and family and strangers. We've never met a stranger. Uh, I, I just want to want to take a one quick second. Just can can we have a champion's life moment before we sign off? Just champions one moment. Champions life. Well, uh, yeah. My only. I, I just want to say, um, hug it out. Can we just can we take like three seconds once champions again to hug it out? Life. Well, it's kind of hard to have to follow up the obvious champion of life while he was here um, and, and have anybody else take that spot. But what are you thinking of? Um, I'm thinking we save that as a tease for the next show. Is what okay. I'm thinking. Okay. Well, that it's pretty obvious that, that the dear leader was the champion of life <laughs> for this, for this episode. So let's, yeah, we forgot to, to label that heading in, but we'll have a good one for next week. Absolutely. Look, you can follow us on Twitter at the role players one that's number one at the end of that, at the Role Players One. Um, listen to us online, uh, tweet us, follow us, retweet us. If we say anything at all, we want you to we, we, we want you all to refer to us as, you know, dear leader of, of sports. Dear talk. leaders. That would be Yes. It would be Well his son is, is now great leader. Great leader. I don't uh, know if we need to, to uh, it's probably a copyright. There's probably a copyright on that, isn't it? We there? might we might be wiped <laughs> off the face of the earth if we go asking people to call us dear leader. <laughs> and yeah, you know, let's just point out that this is the most North Korea talk that you'll probably hear ever. The, from, yeah, from the ever. rest of the ever. Not to not to bang you over the head with North Korea, but Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. I am Arthur Mosley. He is Daniel Allen. We are the role players. Have a great week, everybody. See y'all. <clears throat> Our opinions don't matter, but you should listen to them anyway. I can't